Perez. Walter makes a run ahead of it. Burkamp suddenly changed pace through the centre. It's Burkamp! That's magnificent! The move, and then this, which left Dabby's ass totally stranded. Namaste. Welcome to Workout Wonderland. We are an Arsenal podcast, and I have just come home from yoga. And bloody hell, did I need some spiritual interventions after watching that shower of shit on Saturday? My name is Chris. I am your host, and as you can tell, I'm on form tonight. Fortunately, I've also got a man who never ever fails to let the side down to accompany me in this journey of discovery. Carl, of course, I'm talking about you. How are you, sir? I've just discovered that Danny's not wearing any trousers. And as you can imagine, I am shook to my core. I sent your hair grey. Why why would you need to mention that? Like watching Arsenal, every single grey head I have now is a loss or a time that Arsenal has caused me stress. And as you can tell, there's quite a few of them. Which leads me nicely on to say wherever we get talent on the podcast. We also have to have Danny. Hello, Daniel. I'm going to go and edit the beginning of this show because you started it. Hello, my name is Chris and I have just come in from yoga. So we're going to have that, that little clip on its own. I, I have been thinking for a number of months now, and I keep forgetting to mention to you, that the in thing on YouTube now is shorts. So I, I can't help but feel that there are plenty of clips that you could uncover from oh. the archives that you could put on a shorts channel. So um, if you'd like to monetize that, that'd be fantastic. Do you remember the days when we used to care? We used to do a Christmas outtake special. No, God, no I, I don't remember those days. It's <laughs> <laughs> our 10th season, people. 10 years of coming in your ears. I've known it's you a... for... So I must Jesus have known Christ. you for like eight years then. Well, yeah, I think it's... maybe even longer than that because I, I knew you on Twitter. I mean, I had you blocked, but I knew who you were. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough, to be honest. Seems like no better way to introduce the show. Um, yes, well, I, yeah, I have just come from yoga, um, so there you go. Uh, and it was very lovely, but what was not lovely was Saturday. We're gonna just, we're just gonna, we're gonna go in straight away because who wants to talk about transfers? We did all that last week. Let's just talk about games and football. So, uh, Carl, I will come to you first of all. So, I watched the game on Saturday. Um, I've listened to a couple of podcasts since the game, uh, Arsenal and uh, non-bias, you know, so general po- general football podcast and Arsenal podcast. And I, w- I was genuinely quite surprised by the two leading Arsenal podcasts that I listened to, those being Arsenal Vision and Arsenal Both seemed to suggest that we had good spells in the game and we actually played all right and ultimately, you know, Everson took their chance and, and therefore got the points. I'm just going to ask you straight up. Um, that's bullshit, isn't it? Because I thought we were fucking abysmal on Saturday. And I know we had one Jew and Jeff and I were talking in earlier on and we didn't want to mention the W word. Wobble. But we, we were really poor. Am I wrong or did you see what I saw? Because I just didn't see any positives from Saturday at all. Um, positives are kind of hard to take from a game like that. I think... 
the only positives to take from that game is we need to change when teams play against us like that. And a lot of teams are going to see what Everton did and try and mirror that. That's that's for sure. So Mikel and his coaching staff need to come up with a game plan. So when teams come up and play that sort of low block, um, narrow game against us, because that's what they did. What they did, Everton, and they did it. Let me, I'm sick of people saying, talking about how it was negative football. Listen, Everton had a game plan and they executed that game plan absolutely perfectly. And there's nothing wrong with that. I'm sorry, there isn't. At the end of the day, um, they had a game plan because they couldn't beat us like normally open game of football because we would annihilate them. So they had a new manager bounce. They came with a game plan, which was to play narrow, isolate Xhaka and Odegaard, leave Martellini alone and then double up on him um, and also double up on Saka in the wide areas. And it worked. Somehow it, it worked and we just couldn't get out um, of midfield. I felt like they pressed really, really well, Everton. And I don't think, me included, I don't think anyone thought that they could do that for the whole game. And then once they kind of went one new up, they didn't need to do that because all they needed to do was just sit back and hit us on the break and hit them balls up to Calvert-Lewin. Calvert-Lewin is extremely good in the air. He'll knock it down. And then he had the midfielders around him. Onana was, I think, man of the match. I think he was absolutely brilliant. And the Everton back line was absolutely brilliant. Um, you know, 35-year-old Seamus Coleman dealt with Martellini perfectly. He was brilliant. And he also had the support as well from the Everton midfield. So, you know, I'm not going to criticise Everton about the way they played because, like I said, they had a game plan. It worked. So be it. Like, it is what it is. And that's how Sean Dyche wants to play football. Is it a negative way of playing football? Yes, it is. It's not pleasing to the eye whatsoever. But we're bitter because we lost that game. And, you know, it's it's hard to take, especially when we've been playing so well. But at the end of the day, you have to give Everton a little bit of credit because... You know, the fact of the matter is that they had the same players that Frank Lampard had and they were on some mad losing streak. They had a new manager. He's changed the way they play and he's managed to get a result against the league leaders, which is no easy feat. Um, I didn't think we played well. I didn't think we deserved anything from that game either. I think we had maybe two good chances, maybe the Inketia one and the Saka one that was cleared off the line. Apart from that, I can't really think of any other chances that we had in the game. Oh, sorry, the um, Odegaard one as well, which went over the bar, which he really, really should have put away. Um, but it just wasn't our day. It just wasn't our day. And we're going to have games like this. We're going to have times where we don't, you know, win and we don't play well. It's just one of those things. And I think it's how you recover. That's really important. You know, we've got Brentford on Saturday, I want to say. So, you know, at home as well. So we're going to have the home crowd against us. Brentford might see what Everton did and try and mirror that. I think with the home support, um, I think we'll be better. But do you know what? It was just one of those games. You just got to brush it off. We're not going to go unbeaten for the rest of the season. And no is any other team because, as you saw, Man City lost to the scum and they're going to drop points as well. Yeah, yeah, agreed. And um, I'll come back to you in a second with regards to Daishball because there was just one issue I had with it. But largely, I agree with you. You know, that it was appealing to watch, not really, but is that what they need to do to get points? Absolutely. 
Danny, the um, the manager's taken a little bit of stick for the substitutions in this game. Uh, I tend to agree. And, you know, it's important to remember that you can be critical without slagging someone off. Not you, I mean, people in general. So there's there's no harm in, in saying that maybe Mikel got a couple of bits and bobs wrong in this one. The Partey one seemed to be a strange one for Jorginho because he's obviously our most influential midfielder, unless he was maybe not fully fit, which is this speculation. But the other ones that confuse me, bringing off Ferdegaard, although he wasn't having the best day, seemed an odd one. Maybe not bringing on Kirantini to, to have a, a more a sort of overlapping type of feel down that left wing because Sinchenko also, also didn't have his best day or Everton certainly marked him out of coming inside. And, you know, the Martinelli one for Trossard, I, I, I sort of understood, although I wouldn't have been against Trossard coming on and, and playing alongside Nketiah as more of a two rather than shunting that forward line around. Did you feel the same way in terms of the substitutions or did you... Did you just think that we could have brought on prime Ronaldo and it wouldn't have made a damn, damn bit of difference? Well, the, looking at the whole thing, the, the thing I got from the game, apart from the substitutes, was uh, Eddie Nketiah had two touches. That's it. He had two touches the entire game, which is unbelievable. He had 1.1% possession. And that, you can't you can't win a game if you aren't in a position to score goals. Erdegaard and Sacco having an off day. The substitutions are a little bit weird. Um, I know that party came off uh, in the previous game and they said he had a problem with his ribs. And uh, and so then he, he's taking him off maybe as another precaution, maybe he had a, a knock or something like that. Um, protecting party is really important because without him, we are absolutely knackered. Jorginho looked like a, a typical Chelsea player that we've just bought. I mean, that's, that's, that's the worst kind of debut you can think of for a player like that. But I did wonder when, when Erdegaard came off, I thought, well, he would remember a little while ago he didn't want to bring on Vieira because it wasn't the right type of game for Vieira it was a little bit too rough for him who who were we playing that game against and we I think we only made one substitute oh I know I know what you mean I can't think what team it was but I know what you mean yeah why would you bring it on do it against Everton eventually Erdegaard is going to come good he does considering Erdegaard is one of our best players he's taken off a hell of a lot of the time usually about 70, 60, 70, 75 minutes, something like that. And I find those substitutions really odd. But I think the main problem is Eddie not being able to score. But it, remember that scene from um, The the Life of Brian, where you've got the you've got the gladiator with a sword and all that lot, and he's all the, all the, uh, the armour, and he's standing there, and the bloke goes in there with no weapons, and the only way he can do it is by dirty tactics, running around, running around, running around, until the bloke drops dead from a heart attack. Well... That's what that's what Everton did. They knew they could, like Carl was saying, they knew they couldn't compete with us playing football. So they just resorted to doing something from set pieces. He had two days at that club, like they were saying. I think it was um, the Athletic podcast, or it was the um, AC Jimba. They were saying they had five um, corners, and each time it was the same thing, trying to get it to Tchaikovsky, which isn't his name, trying to get oh, it at the far post because oh, they know, yeah. Because they know they're going to have to. The only way you're going to beat Arsenal is roughing them up, set pieces, and not allowing them to play. I mean, when you're coming up against us, isn't it? And when they're playing five in midfield, I think they had three defensive midfielders, didn't they? I mean, yeah. it's to, well done to Everton. You, you've done a, you've done a job on us. But what can we do about that next time? Yeah, that, that is a question because I think not many teams in the Premier League will be happy playing that game in a week in, week out. I think Villa will do it against us when we play him. As we know, Emery will bore the tears off, uh, bore anyone to tears. 
And so it is a little bit concerning that such a rub. But then again, I had a prediction. I said a couple of weeks ago, when we play Everton, we're going to get six or seven goals against them. In the preview, I said we're going to beat them 2-1. And Allardyce hasn't even got a good managerial record against Arsenal. Has he? Was it one win in 14? Dice. Allardyce, Dice. Same That's thing. It. Really. I get those two mixed. Yeah, <laughs> just, just less wine. But, yeah. <laughs> is there an argument, though, you just saying that? I'll stick with you for a second, Danny. Is there an argument that, and I don't think this goes just for Arsenal, but in the modern in the modern era of coaching where everything is coached within an inch of its life, no more so than, <clears throat> than how Mikel structures his sides, is there not an argument to say <clears throat> that maybe teams of our profile, indeed every team, should actually think about changing tactics for certain because I do feel I do feel a little bit like and it's I say it's not just us, you know, all the big teams do it. They they have this sort of complex of like, well, if we play our game, it doesn't matter what the opposition will do, we'll we'll beat them. I just I just wonder if if we'd have gone up there and, and maybe played three at the back, for example, and, and tried to overload them in midfield by pushing the full backs right into midfield, playing two up front, i.e. playing either Martinelli or Trossard in that maybe that hole alongside Odegaard behind and Ketia. And just totally, because you, like Carl said, and like you said, you knew what you were going to get from Dice. You knew it was going to be 4-4-2. He did a bloody masterclass or whatever these things are. He literally, somebody's put a video of what he described and what happened. It was absolutely on the money. The V on the edge of the 18-yard box, stopping shots, etc. Um, I want to touch on the fouling with Carl in a minute, so I'll come on to that. But is there not an argument where we should have gone, do you know what? It's a new manager bounce. We know he's going to get a reaction out of him why don't we change our tactics and totally throw off? Because Dice would have known what we were going to do, right? Yeah. Um, like um, someone was just saying in the chat, Matt D'Souza changes I'd like to see. Tyranny and Tommy on and maybe switch Saka and Martinelli and try mm. and get around the back. Like I'm playing football manager at the moment, Gloucester City. It's, it's a nightmare. I've decided to play um, attacking football at home, two up front with, with wingers. And then when I'm away, I will play four at the back, a holding de- defensive midfielder and two other holding midfielders. So Tierney would have loved this game. He'd have gone, you ain't going to barge me out of the way. You ain't going to bully me in this game. Big Bob Holding, a northern lad. He's going to come in there and put his foot down. Saliba, I thought, looked lost at times, um, which is, uh, I mean, this game's not yeah, I that. I disagree but- with that. I, just, yeah. I thought him and I thought him and Gabriel were our two best players on the day. To be honest, I thought they. The, I think the only reason the goal was scored is because I think it's Decore stopped Saliba from in front from, of him. From, yeah, and that's the only reason they scored that goal because I thought everything else. I thought it was very good. But well, a couple yeah, of times I around. saw Saliba and I thought he had that look on his face like, oh, this is. Yeah, a so would you? So would yeah. you if you went to Liverpool for a whole twenty-four hours, Danny? I mean, nobody wants to be there, do they? Be I don't mean he had an overall bad game, but he he just looked like he wasn't happy with it. And this was a it's probably because it's not something he's come up against before. I mean, I doubt they play that kind of football in France where they just go, "No, we're going to kill the game. We're not doing any well, you, of that lot." You, huh? you clearly you clearly haven't watched much of Montpellier or uh, uh, the no. old version of Rams or Angers, but yeah, I know what you mean. No, I haven't. No, so uh, you surprised yeah. me. <laughs> I've not been watching much football lately. I've been busy trying to get Gloucester promoted and having a fun, an absolute nightmare with it. And Loki, are you in? Loki's in the chat. Are you finally on Twitter, Loki? I think we've got a question there from someone called Loki seventy one on Twitter. He's got two I, followers. I genuinely thought you were talking about my cat for a minute there. That really threw is your me. Your cat called Loki. He is. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you changed his name. No, I, I, I was. That was his original name. I was going to change it, and I stuck with it in the end. Oh, okay, kind of works. Anyway, less cats. Carl, um, 
I agree with you and I agree with Danny about, you know, sometimes sometimes you just got to swing your hands in the air and go swing your hands in the air, fling your hands in the air or swing them, whatever you prefer. Um, we don't judge here. We're an open community. But sometimes you just got to accept it and say, fine, we're going to get these results, especially the new manager bounce. We all knew it when Lampard was sacked. We all sort of went off because we just knew what's coming. But and there's a little bit of a but here. Can we just talk about the persistent fouling and once again, or just abysmal refereeing? And this is not, again, uh, this is not me saying we would have won the game if it hadn't been for the referee, etc. But for me, it's a blatant penalty on Gabriel. I don't, I genuinely don't understand what people have seen to make them go, oh, yeah, but he fouls, he, he fouls the guy to foul. No, it, he's fouled. Like, end of story. He's fouled. It's a pun. And the, and I think um, the Arsenal photographer, Pricey, on his Instagram, he's put a selection of pictures of Bukayo Saka on. I think there's about seven, maybe eight photos. Every single picture he has put up is an Everton player with a, a handful like this of his shirt. How many fucking times? Like, A, what's the point of VAR if you're not going to pull up these major incidents like the penalty, which wasn't even checked from what I can gather? And B, why why do referees not it, even the Sunday League level? If you pull someone's shirt, the referee just books you. There's no there's no messing around. Why are teams allowed to get away with this? Because it just ruined any flow that we got every time we got away. Sly kick here, pull of the shirt there. You know, I know it's tactical fouling, but it really cheesed me off. Did you see that as well? Yeah, if you remember at the start of the season, there was a directive come out that referees were going to let the game go and they were going to let certain fouls go. Um, they weren't going to be so hot on the whistle. And then we played Man United and then they ruled out a goal, perfectly good goal, because Odegaard apparently fouled, I think it was Fred. So it swings around about. And then remember that same day, um, Brighton had a goal ruled in their favour, which was a worse foul than um, Odegaard on the main United player. So I'm kind of sick and tired of talking about how bad the refereeing is in England. It's atrocious. It's really, really bad. And I'm just, I can't remember what game it was. It wasn't an Arsenal game. It was, um, it was a game I was referee. I was watching. It may have been Tottenham Man United. I'm sorry. It may have been Tottenham Man City. I think it was. And Le- that referee Forest was bad as well. It was absolutely so bad. And I was like, as a neutral, you can watch these certain games and you can just think, if that was my team, I would be absolutely fuming because the referee was just literally blowing for fouls that wasn't fouls and stuff that were blatant fouls. And even some of the players thought it was foul. He was just letting it go. Like, it was just, mm. just absolutely ridiculous. Like, it's just, I'm sick of talking about how bad referees are. And it's just, yeah, there's nothing we're going to do about it, you know. Um, what what can, what can you do? The new refereeing director has come in and he said he's going to change stuff and make stuff more transparent. And apparently we're supposed to be soon, we're supposed to be hearing what the VAR uh, say in the room and... Um, it's going to be more transparent. I, I don't think that's going to come because I, I'm not saying they're unprofessional in that room, but you can imagine, you know, the, the, the talk that goes in that room, I'll get up, he's nowhere, foul. He's, um, I think all those tapes, I wish there could be a Freedom of Information Act, uh, Freedom of Information <laughs> request that I could make and say, I want to hear all those recordings. I want to hear the rationale 
why um, they ruled out the Arsenal goal against Manchester United. I want to hear the rationale of why there wasn't um, a penalty given against Gabriel. It was a penalty, but it swings and roundabouts. You're going to get them in this season. You're not going to get them. And I would just, I don't mind if like it's not given, but give me the reason why. What's your rationale? In everyone's mm. job, in every in my job, if I do something, I need to have a rationale of why I've done that. Because, you know, football is, is a multi-million pound business, multi-billion pound business, if you're uh, if you declare it properly, <coughs> Manzi. Um, but what I'm <laughs> saying is, <laughs> yes, but what I'm saying is there's such big decisions that are made within like and it's all in one person's grasp so you know teams can get relegated um championships can get won you, you know and for someone to not make the correct call based on their opinion and their assumption you know okay that's fine because your opinion is that it wasn't a foul but why do you feel it's not a foul when everybody else thinks it does what's your rationale and that for me just needs a little bit of transparency i was listening to Maybe it was Ask Cars, I can't remember. And um, I think one of them was saying that they want the referee to be faceless and not know and it, it, not be seen. And in a way, I agree. But at the same time, you know, I want to know your decision making because you may say something that may spark my um, sort of brain and be like, oh, yeah, you're right, actually, like because of this and that and the other. Um, so, you know, we're all, we're all opinionated and we've all got our different views of how we view like games and stuff like that. And as Arsenal fans, are we a little bit biased? Of course we are. Why would we not be? Like, that's the team that we support. But it was just really refreshing to watch a game as a neutral. I think, I'm sure it was Man City, Tottenham. And I just thought, this referee is absolutely atrocious. Mm. And Eric, Eric Dyer fouled Jack Greenish about 14 times in the space of three minutes and got away with every single one of them. It's like, I know and Greenish likes a bizarre. Fall, but- yeah. yeah, it was just bizarre. And some of the times, you know, he was dive not diving, but Greedish goes down very easy. Like there were times where he was running, he would look back to see where the player is, almost slow down and then stop mm-hmm. and then get the foul. And you think to yourself, that shouldn't be a foul. And I know that they say VAR shouldn't be used for things like that. And to an extent, they're probably right. But at the same time, you just got to look at that and think, come on, like, someone should have a word. Like, VAR should have a word in the referee's ear and just say, look, he's gone down really easy there. So just, just watch him. And then, is that a way of putting, is that being biased, like, to the referee? I don't know. But, but something's got to get done. You you say that. I'm going to pop my tinfoil hat on here a second for, mm. for two reasons on VAR. One, when we get, the um, I call it the Tony Adams, uh, the syndrome of Tony Adams back in the day of uh, you are a cheat. I am not a cheat, young man. Was it David Ellery? Um, we are we, when we get that that come in. I have a I have a, a tinfoil hat theory that all the broadcasters are going to have five second delays on live transmission. I think I don't think they're going to tell everybody, but I think that's how they're going to do it because there is no way that you won't pick up some swearing or whatnot. And I know everyone, you know, everyone, whenever you talk about VR, the first thing people say is, well, rugby's a gentleman's sport. Yeah, rugby's also shit and no one cares. So let's just <laughs> so let's just not talk about rugby. That's the reason that, that that is a thing, right? But football's a different type of sport. You've got supporters swearing, you've got players swearing, 
it blows my mind that in the era, like, you know, we think back to the era of Wayne Rooney, you'd like swear in a referee's face. Referees just don't book. Like, the amount of times Arsenal have been charged for surrounding referees and that, it happens every week. And the amount of times you see, uh, when I have a little dabble on games, I like a little bet where it's like total number of goals, corners, and bookings as like a bet builder. So I'm naturally always looking for bookings when I've gone overs in bookings. And the amount of times you see players run over to linesmen, effing and jeffing in their face, same to referees. And and I know there's got to be a bit of, uh, ad, you know, treat them like adults and you know there's going to be frustration. But if a player runs up to you in your face and goes, Raf, you know, Raf, you're fucking shit. You've got this fucking wrong. You have <laughs> just book them because I guarantee you within two weeks, it will stop all that. It will instantly stop all that. But I genuinely think because of that sort of situation and because you have players crowding around a referee, they will delay the coverage by five seconds. And that five seconds gives you enough time that if you need to slightly edit what's said or you just need to get a word to stop the part and say, oh, mute careful, guys. Bit. Exactly. You know, conveniently mute the audio just for a second so there isn't anything. Like they did at the weekend when... Um... Uh, exactly the, the Everton game that they, they muted out the what um, the, when the Everton fans were thinking about we we the, the red shite or something they precisely. muted it precisely exactly and the what other you... thing I've got the other the other ten four hat situation I've got on that one as well is I think the referees are already having communication for VAR. Do you remember the the Zidane incident with the World Cup and the whole did he look at the monitor was he informed through the earpiece and that's how he sent them off. I am convinced, and I until I hear otherwise, this is how I'm going to think about it. When a referee, when there's a controversial decision, and the referee always been asked, he's been told by VAR to go and look at the monitor. Are you seriously telling me that throughout the 90 minutes of a game, somebody clatters into somebody, right? Instantly, I'm telling you now, the referee will be like, next time it's out of play, wait. Or next time the ball goes that way, hold it, you know. Or there's a corner, hold, hold, hold it, hold it. And just... Or all, almost in the referee's mind, just go, can you just uh, do up your laces a second? I need to have a quick look at this. They are. There's no way that every time they go to the monitor, that's the only time they're being fed information in their ear. I just, I don't buy it. So that, to me, leads me to think that they only actually go to the monitor when it creates a bit of drama, when it creates a bit of, you know, because some of these decisions are so obvious, and yet they still make little Johnny trot across and look at the monitor it's, it's, it's an entertainment business, uh, and I call shithouse on that. I, I think there's an element of, you know, building the suspense, building the drama, um, and, and and getting bums on seat. I'm convinced of it. That's just, I say, that's just my tin for hat. But I'm I'm yet to be convinced otherwise. Um, yeah, I think they all need a little bit of football's entertainment at the same time, and you know, they they want to add to that. To, drama and suspense that's why there's always that mad delay or when there's a goal scored and I always I hate I hate it the fact that you can score a goal and then you know you celebrate and then you go to the monitor and then like you have a celebrate again or you can't I just feel like it's it's, there's got to be a faster way of checking whether it's offside or checking the handball or something along them lines and you know, hopefully, I mean, I'm not a fan of VAR. I hate it. I, I would get rid of it tomorrow. I genuinely would. Um, mm. You know, if, if I, something's offside and, you know, you want to talk about it for days on end and it's fine, but I just don't like it because I feel like it's getting dragged more and more into the game. And then again, it's still interpretation. It's yeah. still what the referee thinks. And for me, that's not how football should be played. Like if the, if the referee doesn't see it on the pitch, then so be it. If the linesman makes a mistake, 
fuck it, it is where it is, isn't it? Yeah. I sat through Blackburn against Wigan on Monday night, last night. Uh, it was a nil-nil draw. Um, but it was actually quite a, quite a decent game of football. And the one thing I loved about it was just the fact that you knew no matter what happened, there was nothing going to be going to a referee's screen or, you know, if if a goal was scored or it wasn't, it was just, that was it. That was the game. Same with the FA Cup games, you know. Was that that Wrexham Sheffield United, the first leg? Uh, two of the goals are probably a bit questionable, but it was just like, it was raw, it was entertainment. And yeah, I know, I know that if we took it away, we would have that. He was fucking offside. He wasn't this... But I, I'd take that back in a heartbeat. And as um, Anne has put in the chat, it's, it's it's not so much the transparency that's the major issue. The major issue is 90% of the referees we have are just not up to it and are not good enough. It's not just an Arsenal problem. It is a league-wide problem. There are so many games that I I sit I settle down on a Sunday afternoon just to watch a game of football. And I find myself just zoning out because the games are just ruined by the stop-start just bad refereeing. Anyway, enough about referees. Uh, Danny, let's go back to uh, to Arsenal. Is the and and this is just this, again, this is just debate. Uh, we've all been really impressed with what Eddie's done this season. Um, I think he's surprised and uh, certainly put a, a few people to rights, me included, in how he's performed. But is that particularly that chance that he blazed over on Saturday? Is is that where the lack of a Jesus is is going to sort of tell potentially. And I'm not talking like the whole season, but just overall, because I just felt like that was a better chance than has gone down. Some people are saying, oh, it's a half chance. I thought it was a really good chance. He just needed to keep his head down and drill it across goal, force Pickford to put out his little T-Rex hands and palm it into the path of someone else. Hmm. Um, I just thought, it, I thought his shot selection was all wrong. And as I say, not, not throwing the guy under the bus, he's been brilliant. But is that the difference? Because I think Jesus in that position probably gets a, a better shot away. Yeah, um, thinking back here, there was a couple of them. There was somebody else who did that as well. I mean, Eddie's young; he's learning his game. You're not you're not a decent. Um, you're not reached your level as a striker until you're what mid twenties, twenty five, twenty six, something like that. And he um, he did do that. But then there was somebody else who also did the same thing. I know we've had a lot of Zinchenko come cutting in. His inverted winger thing. Um, hello, Soph. You should be nice about you, Chris. There is actually some washing. I don't know. There's, there's a duvet. Oh. There's a duvet there. See, that there. Silk, obviously. And, no, cotton, uh, brush cotton. I'm not a pig. Come on. Yes. No? Excellent. And God. the um, Zinchenko did that twice. And he, I think he might have been against Man City. It might have been this game. I'm getting them mixed up. But he cuts inside and he had shots that weren't even on target. I think Trossard might have had a couple in the game as well where he was having shots and they weren't on target. Now, I'd say to the players, if you're going to have a shot and you don't at least get it on target, then after the game, you're going to go out there and you're going to have 100 shots until you get 100 on target because it is ridiculous. People at the top of their game not being able to get it on target. Now, if the ball comes in and you're half volleying it or volleying it, then you get away with it. But if you've got the ball and you're running at the goal, and then you decide to have a pot shot, like Xhaka, like Party of renowned for doing, and you don't get it on target, that is unforgivable. Because uh, remember, back in the days, the Wimbledon manager used to say, I want everybody to have, what was it, 10 or 20 shots at goal per player, per half, or, or, or attempts, or just test the goalkeeper. We, we've seen that work so often in the Premier League. You spank it hard enough, you're going to put the, then the goal is going to be a little bit worried because he knows you're going to be doing this. But just constantly getting the shots miles off target there's no excuse for it 
and it is annoying. And in that game, we could see we were going to get so few chances to do anything. And Erdegaard's guilty of that as well. Don't don't shoot it unless you know it's going to be on target or at they the were, goalie or close. That was a big chance, Erdegaard. Like Carl said, that was a that was the chance along with Eddie's, wasn't it? I just thought he un, un, unusually for him lost his composure when he blasted that over because it was a really good cutback from Eddie in fairness. Indeed, yeah. So, I mean, it's something he'll learn and add to his game. But like you were asking, would Jesus have done that? I think he's been a pro long enough to know where to take it a little bit steadier, maybe. Uh, and uh, I think it might be the Man City game. People were taking too long with the ball as well, which is something Ian Wright and Henri never did. They would get the ball and they didn't. You could blindfold them and they'll get the shot on target. That's something else they need to work on as well. Because in, in this high-level football that we're playing in the Premier League, you, you don't get enough chance to bring the ball down, have another touch and then, put, then, then have a shot. We've seen a lot of that this season as well. But I think, is that the first game this season that we've we've not, well, apart from the, the, the Man City game in the league, isn't that the first game, oh, in Newcastle, that we haven't scored a goal? Mm, yeah, I certainly. Think. There's. I can't think of many others. If yeah. if there is, a, yeah. I mean, not scoring yeah. a goal against Newcastle is understandable because they uh, don't let goals in. But Everton, good God, to to, <laughs> uh, to to not score against Everton is a crime. But they had a plan. Their plan worked. Yeah, agreed. Um, Carl, just to draw a line under Everton because I want to talk about a couple of uh, a couple of non-Arsenal things tonight. Well, a couple of Arsenal things, a couple of non-Arsenal things. Why not? Um, just drawing a line under it, though, we shouldn't panic, should we? We'll, we'll come on to the result on Sunday in, in the next segment in a second. But it's, if anything, I guess you could say it's, it's just a missed opportunity that we could have gone even further ahead of Man City. But overall, you know, we we all knew we weren't going to lose or weren't going to win every game to the end of the season. We knew we were going to take a loss at some point. Um, and in a way, isn't it almost kind of refreshing not to see how many there were very silly people on the internet, which I know, I know, s- s- silly people on the internet, like who'd have thought, you know? What but there were some silly, yeah, there were some silly people on the internet on Sunday night. Yeah, oh, Martinelli should have got that contract, but fuck off. But, <laughs> but, but other than that, is it actually a sign of how far we've come when we lose one game and we're all like devastated? Because I think six to eight months ago, we'd have been like, Everton away, lost. Oh, well. Uh, it's actually we always we, lose. It shows how far we've come. Well, yeah, but I mean, you know what I mean. It's like on the grand scheme of things, the mm. very fact that we're actually all now genuinely disappointed that we've lost a game uh, that, that shows how far we've come. Does it? Does the it not fact that we have an expectation to win every game says it yeah. all. Um, yeah. yeah, and I think that's a sign of how well this Arsenal squad have done. Just how well Mikhail Teta has done with this squad. Um, look. We was never going to go unbeaten for the rest of the season. And I think people are so stupid. It's not even the level. I think more people are annoyed at the level of opposition that we lost to. You know, because Everton are a a shit team, let's be very honest. And they were one of my uh, favourites to go down. Um, I think Sean Dyche may just get them enough points to probably stay up just the way they're... I think it's Southampton... Uh, and two others, Southampton, Bournemouth, and a another um, who are going to go down. Um, and for me, it's a case of the fact that Everton were playing so well. But a new manager bounce is a real thing. It, I think it, it's so not the it at Wolves. Yeah, I just, I just feel, I feel like 
like Sean Dyche has probably nice. gone up there, he's probably gone in there and given them the old, you know, we are definitely playing. This is how we're going to play now. We're, we're going to play anti-football. Frank Lampard tried to play football with that Everton squad. And they, you know, apart from maybe Onana, um, I don't rate anyone else in the Everton squad. Connor Cody, don't think he's very good. The goalkeeper, not very good. Maybe um, DCO up front. Uh, apart from that, Everton don't have very good players, but... It's just it's how Wobie, they play. Fair. Yeah, and, you know, he's the legs. And he done a lot of running that game. Like, he was everywhere that game. And I get playing against your old club, new manager. You just want to run. And he had a job just like um, everyone else. And they executed it perfectly. But do you know what? I'm not worried. Like, we were never going to win every single game. It's just how you bounce back from it. And the real test is Brentford the next game. That is the real test. You know, how how do we cope with this loss? How mentally, what does it do for us? Does Mikel Arteta need to change up the squad? You know, I think we've got questions whether Ben White should be in or um, should we give Partey a rest, Xhaka, whatever. We've got questions about that, so we won't touch on that right now. But, you know, Mikel Arteta himself has got questions to, to ask himself. Like, what do we do? Do we keep playing um, why Messi's success? You know, if this if the team that we've been playing has brought us here to a certain point, should we mess it up? Do we need to change it? You know, it's it's a long road. We've got what eighteen games left. I, I feel, and you know, those eighteen games are going to come thick and fast, and teams are going to challenge us. There's going to be teams who are literally scrapping for their survival in the Premier League. And their game plan will be to waste time from minute one. It will be to have a low block, keep the ball contained, and as normal, hit it up to the big man up front. That will be their game. It will be a case of we will sit back until Arsenal break us down. And if Arsenal can't break us down, then, you know, we've done well. And a lot of teams will do that. And if they go 1-0 down, they'll probably be like, okay, maybe we might need to push out a little bit. Because people know, if you give Arsenal space, we will annihilate you. Like, we have such good movement and our midfield is so good and our attackers are really, really good. Saka Martellini um, and also Enketia, we're just brilliant. And I feel like teams right now they're going to be, right, how do we frustrate Arsenal? And that's what they're going to do. They're going to literally fu- try and frustrate us. And this is why it's so important to take your chances, like Danny and yourself were saying, Chris, that if we take our chances and we score, then teams have to come out because they have to try and get a point or try and attack us so they're not just sitting back for the whole game. And, you know, it's just something we've got to deal with. But I'm not worried. I'm not worried the fact that we're going to go on. You know, like last season, when we lost one game, we've gone like a three-game losing streak and the season before. I don't think that's going to happen this season. Hmm. Yeah, I, I feel the same. I feel the same way. I I would back us to, to come back on Saturday. And in a weird way, the fact it's a three o'clock non-televised game, I think would do us the world of good because it just takes that pressure off a little bit just to say, you know, go out there. But obviously the eyes are on us from afar, but it's not, it's not, you know, we haven't, we don't have to have the BT studio wanking them, wanking each other off with, you know, Rio Ferdinand-esque enthusiasm whenever we concede. Um, 
by the way, Rio, if you're watching, and I know I know you are because you're a big fan. You're a wanker, mate. All right, you're, you're a. Do you wanker. know what makes Dave makes me laugh? That the fact that why does everybody not want us to win the title? I, I don't. I don't Man get City it. to win the title, like well, Man City I'll have been you... winning the title, like year after year after year. Like I'll tell you Arsenal why, haven't been here. Like, why are they so against Arsenal winning the title? Jealousy. That's what it is. Because we're That's like Leicester, come from nowhere to win the league, look like we're going to win the league. And you think, oh, there'll be a little bit. But Dean, the Everton fan who was on the other uh, last week, he wants us to win it. Mm. I think but, I think we're a lot of people's second favourite team. But because we're, because we're you know, we've got a history and, and we're a big London yeah. club, etc. There, there's jealousy there. There is, especially for Man United fans. They haven't been relevant for 10 years. Like, do you know what I mean? You know how many because... Man United and Liverpool and Spurs fans have infiltrated the media? Well, look, look at look at Liverpool. Look at this absolute dumpster fire that is right now. You got you got Clippity Klopp not even giving it, you know interviews to journalists that that because he because he doesn't like the yeah because he doesn't yeah. like the cut of their jib. I mean it it's embarrassing. Like and they're getting you know, a free pass. If this was Arsenal in yeah. languishing down in ninth, they would be. They did. They stored us when we finished eighth. Yeah, Liverpool they seems are to be where getting we a free were. pass. Mm. Exactly, exactly. So, I mean, but do you know what? That's fine. Hate is going to hate. doesn't bother me. If we lift that trophy, I, I couldn't give a monkeys. I really couldn't. Um, and, of course, let's not forget, in the interest of, of, um, of balance, we are always going to see it from an Arsenal perspective because we're Arsenal fans, so we are going to be a bit biased. But I genuinely don't see videos of the BT crew or the Sky crew you know, when Man United get humped by City or City get humped by... You don't see any viral videos of any other companies giving it large about teams, do you? It's only everyone else. I, I wonder why that is. I wonder. Anyway, Boy, maybe it's because our good. fan base bite, you know? Boy, 10 on YouTube's made a good point here. He says, uh, they don't want us to win because we went undefeated, built a new stadium without some trillionaire's oil money, and yeah. now we've come... Uh, all the way back, all on our own, with Silent Stan and rookie Arteta. Because even even Leicester were bankrolled heavily to win that title, weren't oh, they? I know, okay. I know it's yeah. a huge achievement, but they still had a lot of backing to to get in there. And yeah, I agree. I think us us actually going and building a squad of younger players, and yeah, we've spent money, of course we have, but building it from the bottom up, for, we were literally at rock bottom. To then come back so fast, I think would go against the narrative of you have to spend to be successful. So, but yeah, we, I, we, if we if we win it, can we do it again next season? Do you think? Oh, let's let's not go there, Danny. <laughs> let's let's try and get this one one first, and then we'll see where we are. But um, speaking of winning it, I want to get both your opinions on uh, the Man City situation. I'll share mine in a second. First things first, they they lost uh, to some pub team on Sunday. I, I don't know who they are. Sp- no, some team from Hertfordshire. Spotsfer, Armitage Shanks, some t- I don't know, some team with some bloke up front who scored four goals or something. Um, but anyway, they did lose. Um, I wasn't cheering them on. I, I'd be honest, unless there was an acid shower, I couldn't give a toss who won that game, to be perfectly honest. But here we are, in the cold light of day, they did win. Uh, that is that lot. How did you, when did you, how did you feel, Danny? Did you like look at it and go, actually, it's, it makes the Everton game even more annoying now because we could have been eight points clear with a game in hand. Or do you look at it and go, well, actually, um, we're one game further down the line and we haven't lost any points. So, you know, win-win. 
It was a it was a big thing in the media and those morons on Radio Five did a thing of it. Were you an Arsenal fan? Were you hoping Spurs were going to win? Were you celebrating and Arsenal fans are ringing up and going, "Oh well, yeah, I would." Oh, then and, and, and Robbie Savage is going, "Ah, but well, you wanted Spurs to win." I wanted to ring up and go, "Yeah." They go, "Did you want Spurs to win?" I go, "Well, you, if if everything I wanted happened, you two wouldn't be doing this show. It'd be Ian Wright and Kelly Cage. You two would never do radio again, and Spurs would be battling relegation every single season." I don't want to get relegated because we need them six points like the olden days <laughs> and so I, di- I don't i didn't care it makes no difference yeah i want i wanted spurs to lose 10 nil that'd have been hilarious i want harry kane to break his leg and never play football again that'd have been hilarious none of that's happened so whether i want arsenal to win lose draw uh, and i want spurs to win lose or draw it, it makes no odds to it i'm glad that's that, that we that man city drop points i don't care who they drop points again against and uh if spurs are going to beat man city i'd rather them scrape a one nil win rather than go out there and smash them seven nil and they all go oh son and kane to greatest partnership in in world football I mean, that's died a death hasn't it the two of them could barely score in a brothel now so don't care i don't care but if <clears throat> if spurs lose points that's usually my first option but if man city can lose points that at the moment that's more important than spurs losing points because spurs are irrelevant yeah, yeah, I agree with that. And and on the other flip side of that, Carl, before we come on to the off the pitch stuff, am I the only one who actually thinks that City are having a massive meltdown? Like De Bruyne on the bench. Sorry, all, what? All Cancelo is not right. Just, like, yeah, all is not it's right. Not, is it? Something it's has not. happened behind the scenes. I feel like maybe some people have questioned Pep, and mm. he's like doing the whole "I'm in charge." And I'll show you oh, that true. I'm in charge, um, sort of thing. So it's funny and interesting to see. And maybe they knew the off the pitch stuff was going to happen. So I don't know, might be deflection. I listen, certain things happen for certain reasons. Um, but the, all is not right at Manchester City. That's definitely for sure, 100%. And long may it continue. Like you mm. don't put Ke- Kevin De Bruyne is arguably the best player in the league. Um, and for someone like that to be on a bench in a bigger away game when he's not injured, tactical, there's no, there is no tactical reason for him to be on the bench. What, you were scared of Hoiberg? I don't think so. Like, who was you like, who in that Spurs midfield was you scared of that you thought, oh my God, like we can't play Kevin because Hoiberg's in midfield or Dyer is in defence. Like there's there is no one in that team that uh, Man City should have been scared of. So it's, yeah. it's not it's not just that either, is it? Ruben Diaz and Laporte can't get a game. I mean, Nathan Ake has been good this year, but I don't think he, you know, I think if you based it on last season's form, Diaz and, and Laporte should be in that that team. They, they've let Cancelo go, which clearly, whatever Pep says, he he clearly fell out with Cancelo. There's absolutely no he's, he's arguably the best, best fullback in Europe, exactly. Yeah. And then they've got a they've got a twelve foot seven gangly fuckwit up front who they just refuse to pass to, which blows my mind because he makes some really good runs. And although I do think he's a little bit overhyped, he's a finisher. And the one thing De Bruyne did when he came on was try and feed him, and they spent the entire first half just playing anywhere but to him i i don't i don't understand it why why buy a player if you if you're not going to use him it makes zero sense to me like 
just what's had the to point train. We said this pre-season. We said if you're a Dortmund fan, then you can look at the Haaland transfer and you go back and listen to the pre-season pods that we did. And we said, if they are changing the way they play football from not from winning the title without a striker to putting all their balls in the basket of balls that is to give the ball to Haaland. He is going to be the centre of everything. And when you do that as a team, that doesn't usually work well if that player is off form. As we found out regularly when Henri didn't play, didn't play well, we'd go, all right, he didn't play well or didn't play at all. we go, oh, what do we do now? And they're finding that. Yeah. that that him going there is the worst transfer they've ever made because he is the one that's going to break that team and then he'll, they, he'll be back off to Germany to Bayern but, probably or something but the like stupidest, that but the stupidest part about it is if they actually fed him they probably would still be scoring goals yeah. that's the bit yeah. I can't Once get my get head around back, back to back three hat-tricks yeah. at the beginning I mean, of the he season he, he's he's a he's an incredible athlete and he's a finisher. That's it. He's not going to give you link-up play. He's not going to give you five-star skills. He's not going to give you, you know, take it down the chest to release somebody into the channel. He's a goal give scorer. Him the ball that's it. And he will score. Yeah, that's, exactly. That's, just it. Like, that's what he does. And he will score. Like, and yeah. the fact that you got one of the best passers in Europe, in the world, mm. and you're not playing him screams, I'm in charge, I'll bench you. If I'll I do it my to. way. And, yeah, and arguably yeah. three of the most creative players in Europe over the course of the last four to five seasons in, in Mares, Bernardo Silva and, and Grealish when he was at Villa. So, yeah, I, it blows my mind. It really does. I did just want to ask you both on this off-the-pitch thing um, and at the risk of slightly veering you in, my, in the direction, but I'll just share my thoughts. I've seen a lot of people get very excited uh, this week on, on Twitter and various other socials about you know, well, Man City, if they get fired, I saw Sky were running a poll today saying majority of Premier League clubs want to see them relegated if these um, if if these allegations are proven. Right. My feeling on it, straight to the point uh, and quick in and out, is are they guilty of 100 and um, God knows what uh, sort of uh, breaches of, of regulations? No. They're guilty of about 400, maybe 500. They are guilty as sin. To me, there is absolutely no doubt about it. They are a sports-washing monstrosity. Sticking a few football pitches and a few allotments up in Manchester and making it look green doesn't mean that you're, you know, that you're whiter than white. It's absolute BS. They've, they've concealed money for a number of years. They bought players out of their means. They bought their way out of the lower divisions into the top, and they bought the success that they've got. They are a manufactured club, and they're no better than Chelsea. And any, the, anyone thinks any different go fuck yourselves because you're wrong um however however my personal opinion is none of this will become relevant because they have so much money and so much power and so many inside people this will go on for another two three four years this this won't the, the most they'll get is a fine that's it so anyone getting excited about points deductions i will genuinely i'll come on this podcast and, and they'll appeal it yeah, I'll come on this podcast naked and I'll windy miller myself for an hour for your viewing pleasure and say nothing. I'll just do that for an hour if they get points deducted because it's not going to happen. So that's just personally my opinion. They are 100% guilty. I think it will be proven that they're guilty, but it will be very conveniently brushed under the carpet, just like their European band was. Remember that? That lasts all five minutes. Um, I just want to get your thoughts. You, do you feel any differently, Danny, or...? Do you think I'm on the same page as you? For people um, at home, this is the Man City before they got their oil money. Relegated in 1901-02, 01, 
1982-83, from the Premier League 96. Then again in 97-98 and then in front of the relegate from the Premier League again in 2000-2001. That, dear ladies and boys, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, mums and dogs, cats and elephants, that's Man City. That's what Man City did. Look, I mean, twice they conceded 100 goals a season. And that, that's who Man City are. And they can go and spend as much money as they want. That's who you are. You, at the moment, you are just Man United's noisy neighbours and you've bought success. I mean, Chelsea have also bought success. But when you look into the, the, some of the stuff they have done, when, um, who was the, Mancini, when he was manager of Man City, he was on £2 million a year. He was also on two million pound a year to help manage or advise a a consult a, a team from uh, from the UAE, wasn't from? it? The UAE, UAE United yeah. Arab yeah. Emirates, <laughs> and then they were they've now dug into it, and then a lot of this goes back. And so there's so many charges because each season since 2000 and I think 17, every season they've done the same thing. So every season there's seven or eight rules they've broken. And they've done it the next season. And because they're just not complying with the Premier League. And the Premier League said, we want all your records. And they said, no, you're not having them. Because we, we're not going to comply with it. And that's how they've all added up. And then they know. We, we said it for years on the podcast, if you want to go back and listen to all 479 of the other shows that we've done. Steve tonight. Was, uh, listen to them yeah, all tonight. That's it. And don't forget to um, give them all a thumbs up. Uh, like Steve, subscribe. bless him, Lord Hillwood, would, uh, would always say... It's it's a creative accounting. They would get. A, he said it's like Arsenal getting a company in in London and then getting pumping that that company is owned by Guy Cronkey and then that company Dave's Kebabs is sponsoring the stadium for two hundred million pound for ten years. And uh, great kebabs, mate. Yeah, Ali's Taxis are now the shirt sponsor at Arsenal for thirty million. Superb service, <laughs> superb taxis, very comfy. And then you've got Alice, the tea lady, is sponsoring the the uh, the, the, the the main hoardings around the, around the stadium and wonderful brew, mind one, wonderful, brew. wonderful tea. And that, we all know they've been doing it. And and as as Steve would go and say back in the day that what they have done is splendid business, and that they've managed to pull it off. And they've been doing it, and they. But they did say on on the uh, the AC Jimbo pod, the Totally Football Show, they said that the FA have got regulations. The the, the, the FA own the, the Premier League and they own the FA Cup. You've got the Football League who own the League Cup. They've got regulations. Then you've got regulations for UEFA, regulations for FIFA, and you've got regulations for the Champions League. And there's so many regulations that you've got to. I mean, they said one of them was 300 pages of regulations, and so it's, it's going to be hard to keep up with them when they're all different. And when you go in and out of each competition, then you've got to slightly alter the regulations that you stick with. But we know they're corrupt. We know they're lying. They know they are creative accounting. But other clubs mm. haven't done it. And that, I mean, Todd Bowley's just gone out and gone fuck it. I'll, yeah, I have all my money. I'll just buy everyone. <laughs> Do you, do you know, like Todd Bowley, whenever someone says his name, do you know the first thing that comes to my mind, and I can't shake it, is the Monopoly bloke. I, I just can't shake him with the top hat going, oh, spending money, don't pass go, don't collect it. What a knobhead. Um, <laughs> next time you see him, when his name is, whenever someone says his name, just think of the Monopoly dude. Uh, Carl, is there an argument, though, and and feel free to share your views on 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 what you think of whether they'll get punished or not, is it not a little bit of a case of if they weren't owned by who they're owned by, 
would we actually be saying this? Because Man, Man United were the original sports washers, weren't they? I mean, you know, Blackburn to a degree. But because it was Jack Walker, a local businessman made good, who won Blackburn the, the, the title with the money he put in, because Man United was essentially, they were very clever in how they marketed the, comp- uh, the company or the club. Um, they made very sound investments and, and they, they had the merchandising capitalization back in the day. And I'm no financial expert, but yeah, it's pretty clear that's how they made their wealth. Is it just the fact that the likes of PSG, to a degree, Bayern Munich with the sponsorships they've got, Man City with the the you know slightly odd ownership that they have, and and the questionable human rights, etc. Same with Newcastle, and of course the Russian element of Chelsea. Is that why we're is that is that why we're so uptight about this? Like nobody questions the fact that we've got a sponsorship with Rwanda. Do you know what I mean? So is there a little bit of us going, we don't like it because we can't compete, whereas actually now we are competing, we're now sort of banging our hands on the on the fist or banging our fists on the on the desk saying, no, they need to be punished? Mm, a little from column A, a little from column B. Do, do I think that it's being highlighted because of who the owners are? 100%. Football is still, you know, a at the top level, let me make this clear, at the top ownership level, it's still an elitist white man's game it is like um sadly that's the way it is you look at the fa you look at the board of the fa you look at the board of the premier league all white men age 40 and above you know it's they don't want to break away from the norm um sadly and and anyone disagreeing with me go and go and have a look at the board of the fa go and have a look at board of the, the premier league and see who runs the show um man city are Dirty for a, a number of reasons, um, num- numerous reasons. You know, the fact that they were saying that they were more commercially viable club than Manchester United. Manchester United are the biggest club in the world, arguably, apart from Real Madrid, commercially. There's no way. Manchester City, a club that was born in arguably 2009, something <laughs> like that. Um, <laughs> you know, let's be, let's be very honest. Like, they were nobodies before then. And you know, a guy's come in and pumped a whole load of money, a load of money into it. I think that the Premier League are a little bit they're blind when they want to be. When they when Man City were buying all these players and commercially making the Premier League as big as it was, they were they weren't asking for records then, were they? Yeah. And I think now, whereas a lot of teams have caught up and are now competing. Liverpool, Arsenal, Man United to an extent. Um, I think now they've... I mean, this is obviously an ongoing investigation that's been happening a long time, but for me, I I don't see where they're going to be punished. They're so rich, a financial penalty doesn't affect them in the slightest. Mm. Whether it be a million pound whether it be a, it won't be 10 million pound but let's just say it was a 10 million pound fine it doesn't affect them whatsoever not bring it around in cash so a financial fine doesn't really go anywhere are they arguably going to get a points deduction no there, there's no they are not going to get a points deduction and it won't be this season because like you said chris and i truly believe this won't be concluded for another two years like the legal ramblings that will happen, like I know it's gone to a um, to a, a, a panel, and they did to decide. And when Man City appeal it, it's going to go on and on and on because they're not the hearing's not going to be straight away. It's not going to be a case of 
you've brought up on a charge, you answer it today, we appeal, and then you get the, the appeal decision tomorrow. It will be go through court, it will go through uh, CAS, the court arbitration or sport, it will like go to the, the highest level. Mm -hmm. It will just go on and on and on. So we're talking two years before this is settled. Um, I personally think <clears throat> they may get a transfer embargo, maybe. Yeah. Um, that's, if we're really honest, that's what I think the greatest punishment will be a transfer embargo where they'll be able to sell players, but they won't be able to buy players. And if they know it's coming, the season before, you you watch how Man City will just buy everybody. They will just buy everybody they know because if they get known, they know that two seasons, they're not going to be able to buy players or something like that. Like they're not going to get a Champions League ban because this is not a Champions League issue. It's not a UEFA issue. It's a Premier League issue. So people got to remember this is strictly for the Premier League and that's it. Um, they've been guilty. We know they've been guilty. Like I said, Manchester United did it for years. I don't know what the rules were back then when, uh, I don't know if there was FFP back then when Man United were doing it and when Jack Walker was doing it. I can't speak on that. Um, but yeah, for me, I have to, you know, if you're going to do it, if you're going to be a, a fraudster, and do it quietly. Femi can answer it because Femi is the biggest forster in the world. I'm telling you, that man is richer <laughs> than anybody. Um, four one, Mr. 419, he knows what I'm talking about. But um, like, you can't go out yeah, and a club that's born in 2009 and say you're a bigger commercial enterprise than Manchester United. That is absolutely ludicrous. You can't, mm. you know, build something somewhere and then say, oh, where is sponsorship? Oh, you can't have the owner of Etihad Airways say, oh, Etihad Airways is now sponsoring us, even though the owner of Etihad Airways is also the owner of Manchester City. Like, mm. or, you know, it, it's in the it's in the same region. It's just, it's, <laughs> it's really ridiculous. Like, and, you know, Man City are not going to get what's coming to them, unfortunately, because I don't think, one, the Premier League have the cojones to really go after them. And like I said, I, I really do think that this is going to go on and on and on. And have the Premier League even got the money for the lawyers that Man City are going to just tie this up in legal wrangling. So I think the most we can ask for is literally um, a transfer ban for Man City. And even that, that doesn't really do much because, like I said, the season, if they know what's coming and we, they will know what's coming. Trust me, there'll be people within... Um, there were people within who will say, oh, just let you know, you know, you may not win this and the punishment we're going to give is a transfer ban. They'll buy every and everyone. Like, they'll probably buy yeah. another two players in each position. They'll get their transfer ban and then they'll shrug their shoulders, okay, and they'll probably still play as it is. Like They could just buy Leicester and rebrand it as Man City B. It's, it's, it's about, well, look at, look at the clubs they got the partnership with. I mean, they got Twelve, they got Melbourne City, they've got uh, they they've just taken over Germany. my Palermo. Yeah, Palermo they've got. Ridiculous. The, it, it, the way I liken the City money situation is there's a very good documentary on Sky at the moment for those for those old enough who will remember a gentleman by the name of Phil Spector. I'm sure, Danny, you will have known this gentleman. Crazy hair. Yes, indeed. Um, although it wasn't his. Um, yeah, the wig. He, he, uh, he is no longer with us anymore, good riddance in my opinion. Um, but he was a very famous songwriter 
Um, and he was alleged to have murdered somebody in his home. And it's a very good documentary on it. And uh, I'm sorry, but he, he absolutely did, in my opinion, murder somebody. However, because he had so much money and so many high profile lawyers that even when you watch this documentary and you listen to the lawyers who who supported him and, you know, and uh, for his case, these guys are very good at what they do. They, they don't you know, take they away of it, didn't they? Exactly. They literally take on cases where from the outside looking in, you go, he is as guilt, like could have watched him do it. He's guilty. Um, and yet a lawyer, who, because this is their profession and they're very good at their profession and paid a lot of money to be so, you know, lawyers to the stars will get people off. And, and there is a reason why very few, if any, Hollywood celebrities or whatever go to jail because they have ways of, of buying themselves out of out of these situations. And it's like that, that, that um, solicitor, if you're a famous um, person in this country and you've had driving offences, it'll mm. get you off of it, no matter it what. Will, will make them go away. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So uh, that is, for me, why City will get away with this. Like I say, I hope I'm wrong. I'd like I'd like nothing more than to see him in, in League Two again with Paul Dickoff up front. It would be hilarious, but I just don't <laughs> think... I just don't think it's going to happen. And... Um, you know, City's such a massive club, they can't even fill their ground. Anyway, but at least we know Man City, famous for being fraudsters, and they employ one as a manager. So that's good. Um, one other topic I wanted to ask you both about before we take questions, going back to Arsenal. Um, actually, one other point to make, by the way, on the um, sports washing. If, and I mean it's a big if, because they have a habit of bottling it, if PSG ever win the Champions League, they will be held on... A lot of things about PSG will come to the surface um, in in courts if they ever actually win anything. There is a reason why a lot of their uh, ownership has never really been taken too seriously by other big clubs, because they continually bottle the Champions League. If they actually win it one year, expect that to come out in court. Marseille won it. Exactly. You heard it here first. I mean, Um, I just got a question. Like... Just a really quick, I don't know if you used to mention this quickly, but just before we move topics, the mm. fact that Chelsea have just bought any and everyone, do you think they know they're going to fail FFP or, and then they know they're going to get a transfer ban? So they just think, well, we bought everyone 100%. now. We can, you know, deal with two transfer windows um, that we don't buy anyone because they've got so mm. many players. I feel like that's what they've done where Todd Bowley, and I'm not saying this is definite, but I feel like. He knows that they're going to fail it, so they just say to themselves, you know what, we're going to fail it. We bought everyone now, so give us our ban, we're fine. Who, who's gone very quiet since he left the club? Is my question to you. And I'll give you a hint, he's Russian. We have not heard a thing from Abramovich of we since he's gone. It's all gone very, very quiet. I would not be at all surprised if there is something going on in the background where he is trying to get a lot of money out of that club a lot of money because it all went very quick. It just, it just seemed to happen, didn't it? One minute he was up on these charges, then he was extradited. Then suddenly it was just an agreement to sell and he was gone. And we've heard nothing about him ever since he's gone underground. I, I would not be surprised at all if there's a very, very large um, either bill or uh, fiddled books or something to come out as to how Bowley got in and how he spent the money. I just wouldn't be surprised. So, yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I think they know something's coming. 
I guess the question is what that something is. And they also, the fact they're doing these seven-year contracts, this was it amortization. This is yeah. where having having Steve, God rest his soul, would be and fantastic. Yeah, and if you want to know more about it, just follow um, Kieran, Swiss Ramble. He will, he, he's... he's uh, All the other cool. Kieran, Kieran Maguire. All Kieran Maguire, yes, absolutely. Um, there's, there's a few people out there who know their stuff, but um, yeah. Because we don't. We, <laughs> I, can barely, I can barely keep my account with the black myself, let alone anybody else. Um, one other question, and we'll keep this one short because I want to get to the questions from our other uh, gentlemen and ladies that have come in. Um, I'll ask you both this. There's quite a developing story going on in France at the moment around Rams and their coach, Will Steele, who's gone in there and has done a magnificent job, is unbeaten in 11 games, I think it is now. Um, and there's one key reason behind that that run, A, his coaching ability, but also the form of following Balogun. Um, I copped a bit of flack the other day because I suggested that... Sound like uh, you. I know, who'd have thought? <laughs> not, that easy, not like me to stir the pot. No. Um, but I suggested that he, for me, he is developing at a, fa- a faster pace now than we can have as a backup striker. What I mean by that is even if we get into the Champions League next season, which I think, I think we're fairly confident we will now, he will not want to be second choice, let alone third choice. He will want to play for someone. He's almost where Eddie was 18 months ago, but third choice. And I think he will want to move. And I think he'll have quite a lot of opportunities coming his way. And I suggested that maybe this is probably a good time for us to cash in if the right offer comes along. And I suggested between 20 and 30 million, because in my opinion, that is what he will command. And people have people have jumped all over me. Hey, he's worth at least 75. But sorry, he's no. he's not. Okay. He's not. And the reason he's not is because he plays for Rams um for an unfashionable side in France. He's had one breakout season. He's not a full international. And yes, he's young, etc. However, everyone knows he's a backup at Arsenal, which is the reason he's on loan. So if you think we're getting 75 million, I'm sorry, you live on another planet. And whether we can command that fee or not, we ain't getting it. So my question to you guys is simply, what would you do? Um, Carl, what, where would you be going with, with Flo at the end of the season? What would you be looking to do? So he has signed, I think he has signed a new deal, hasn't he? So, I mean, he is still technically contracted. I would, I, I don't shoot the messenger, Chris. Um, I want to see him do it in England. So, and I mean this respectfully, France and England are a different kettle of fish. So I would like him to go to a Premier League side in England and do it. You know, go to a Crystal Palace or somewhere like that and show his ability in England. And if he can do exactly this, if he can do it in England, what, he can do, what he's done in France, then I'll be happy and I'll, I'll keep him. And then you say to Eddie, see what he's doing. That's what you need. That's what you need to better because he's coming for you. I would, I would actually sit down Eddie and if he could do it in England, I'd have to do it now, actually. I'll do it to Eddie now and say, do you see what Flo is doing in France? He's coming mm. for your spot. He's coming for your spot. So you but, but, need to be better than him. So, I, But I do want to see how they're going to do it in England because I, England and France are a different kettle of fish. But what would you say if I said to you one of the biggest criticisms that Arsenal have had in the past 10, arguably 15 years is we don't sell well. This is where I'm going with this. We don't sell well. We, we invest a lot in kids and get fuck all pre- for it. 
precisely. And this is my argument. I'm not sitting here saying that Flo Balogun can't be good enough for Arsenal. Um, as anyone watching this knows, I watch a lot of French football and he's been he's been really good at Rams. And he's not just scored goals against Farmers. He scored goals away at PSG in the 90th minute, you know, with the composure of a player far beyond his, his years. Um, he might leave Rams potentially into a European spot if they carry on. He's been brilliant, but he's developing as a man. Um, <laughs> as Will still said in that, that viral clip, his French is shocking, but he's embracing the culture. He's he's becoming, you know, he's he's a cult figure at Rams. Um, my argument is, while his valuation is where it is right now, is this one of those opportunities where we could? Because I guess you would, what I'd say to you is, if he goes to Crystal Palace, like for, to use your example, next season, and he becomes Edson Odward, Odson Edward, Odson Edward, and scores three goals in 25 games, he's suddenly five to 10 million and that's it. Do, do you see where I'm going? Like, I hear you. I, I, um, it's, do you know what? It, it's a catch 22 because let's say you do sell him um, 20, 20, I don't know who in France has got that sort of money. So we'll, he wouldn't go back to France. He'd, he'd go to Germany or, or, or Italy, I think, in my opinion. I, th- I think that's where he would probably command a fee. Who in Italy's got that money? Like apart from uh, Inter and AC, who are shocking lately. Jesus Christ! Or but, um, Na- Napoli, if they sell off Simen this summer, which is probably going to happen. I mean, but will they replace even... him with Balogun? I, I, I don't know if that's a, a jump too far. Um, but bear in mind, they yeah, got we... from France from Lille in the first place. That's what I'm thinking. But yeah, wasn't he the bloke who replaced Pepe at Lille? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> ironic See you're too early <laughs> but yeah it, it's I it's really hard because he could go on and you know trans be brilliant and then people could be saying bloody hell we only sold him for 30 million and now he's going to Real Madrid for 60 I mean, I mean that's the hope I mean I hope his career does flourish even if it doesn't play for us because it just seems like someone who's tried to get on with it and, and stuff like that but <sighs> would we sell him do we have a, a... You're right, Chris, and I think you hit the nail on the head. He's not coming back to be the third striker at Arsenal. He's not. No. You know, he's had a taste of first-team football now, playing week in, week out, and he's going to want that. He's not going back to play under-23 football. You know, he's not and trying to... deserves that. Yeah, and he does. Um, you know, when Gabriel Jesus does come back, he's going to be our number-one striker. Is Eddie going to be the number two? Yes, he is. We've invested a lot, and Eddie's helped us a lot this season, so I don't feel like... Um, I don't feel like Mikel Arteta is going to then say to Eddie, you know what, Balogun's done it last season, so we're going to sell. Um, um, we're going to keep him. It's really hard. I think if you get an offer, 25, 30, 20, I wouldn't, because 20 mm. in football terms is is pittance. It really is. Like, and, and hear me saying 20 million. But... You're right. He's not a foreign international. He's not an international at all. I don't know who he's declared for. No. I mean, I know he's he, he US. Hasn't, he, hasn't yeah, got, he, hasn't. he hasn't got any um, USA caps. He could play for an African team. I think it's Ghana. I'm sure it's Ghana. Is it I Ghana can't. or Nigeria? What is it? Yeah, it's, yeah. It's Nigeria. Sorry, you're right. It's Nigeria. And he yeah. hasn't um, sort of declared for them. So I think if he does get an international cap, then maybe his price does go up a little bit more. But for Especially now... It could go down. <laughs> it could go... If he decides to play... For um, like you say, Nigeria or the USA, his his value will go down because but if, but though I... their because their international games don't aren't in sync with the Premier League or but Europe. If I, if, indeed, if I was if I was him, I'd have a look at that USA front line and go, 
hey, 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 hey. That's fifteen years. He, yeah, he he could literally be. You know, he would he'll play every week for USA. They haven't got a striker, so oh yeah, definitely. If, if that was if that was me, I'd be because you know if you if you're looking at England, you know some bloke called Harry Dave or something. Uh, he plays every week. He he's always going to play as long as Southgate's in charge. And then coming up behind him. You, you know, you, you've got any one of what's uh, the Newcastle boy, a uh, Callum Wilson, you know, a fit Calvert. Okay, they're not what you call established strikers, but you know they're going to get a chance ahead of a young striker like Balogun. So, yeah, but if I was him, I I would be declaring for the US. I don't know whether he would, but I'm just I'm going to check his contract actually because I think that's going to that's going to prove another side of it, isn't it? Like how long his contract runs because that's that's where you have to make the decision because there's no guarantee that even we're all speculating on how good he's been. He might turn around to the club and say, you know, thanks, Mikel. I've, I've thrived on this loan, but actually, do you know what? Kind of, I kind of want to, you know, I kind of want to have an opportunity. And I, I feel like, I feel like Arteta's got quite a lot of Arsene Wenger values in him that I don't think he would hold a player who he knows will thrive hostage. Do you know what I mean? I think he would let that player go if, if it was right for him. So yeah, it's, it's a tough one. Um, oh yeah, twenty just, to 30, twenty-five to thirty mil. I think we have to really consider it. Got to consider it. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. Would you, Danny? Are you on the same? No, no absolutely not. Eddie is being pushed by nobody. Eddie knows that he could just do nothing for the next month, and he's still going to start every single game. And Eddie hasn't got that top-tier mentality. If Eddie could go, if you could put Eddie now in that Reims team. He wouldn't score those goals. I mean, I sorry, like sorry, sorry, sorry. That what team? <laughs> Ram, our Rams. Fuck Reams. They need to learn how to spell in that bloody country. Stop Good spelling God. things one way and saying it another. <laughs> so if you put Eddie in that Rams team, Chris, would he do what he has done? I mean, they're slightly different players, but... I mean, I don't know because, like, I, ge- I genuinely think it's about it's about streaks because... For example, Hugo Ekitike, right, who won't won't be a name many people know, he was what Balogun is last season for Rams, right? He was their breakout striker. He went to PSG in the summer to essentially be Mbappe's backup, right? He's hugely talented. He was linked with Newcastle. He chose PSG because he wanted to stay in France and he wanted to develop a a bigger club, let's be honest. Um, And he's barely getting a look in. And... It hasn't really worked for, for him in terms of like his game times down, etc. So, but if he'd have gone to Newcastle, how much did Alexander Isak go from from Sociedad to Newcastle? We were linked with him. How much did he go for? Seventy five million. Oh, you're not yeah. Bear in mind, he's been injured, but he hasn't exactly ripped it up at Newcastle, has he? And I, I don't get it wrong; I think he'll come good. But he was a player we linked with. I just think sometimes a player goes to the right club and it works. And I feel like with Balogun, that's probably what's happened here. Um, the other the other argument is you could look at someone like Colin Moani, who did had a really good World Cup for France. He left France in the summer. He left Nantes and he went to Untrack Frankfurt. And he's, done, and he's done brilliantly there. So, you know, sometimes a player... I, I just think a Balogun, if he went somewhere like Germany or, or Italy, I think he was continued to score goals. Um, I just don't know whether he would at Arsenal or not. And I don't know whether he'd want to come back. And the only other argument you could have is he can play wide. So you could arguably say, well, he could do the Martinelli thing, you know, bring him in as one thing and maybe move him into a different position. But I don't know. Well, I just isn't. 
Jesus isn't a striker, is he? That's not Jesus's future is not at Arsenal. I reckon Jesus will be here for maybe three seasons. He's cut see out his contract and he'll be off. We have got think? nobody really coming through the youths. We've got Mika Beerith, who's off in Holland, not not really doing much. And then um we do have one though. Have you seen this? Kid, this uh, Miles Lewis Kelly, Lewis Skelly. My God, he looks a player. Sixteen years old. Oof. No, People talk about Guanieri. Oh, he played uh, in the in the youth cup for Arsenal last night at Watford. He looks mustard. Anyway, carry on. Oh, lovely. But <laughs> I, I just want to keep. I wouldn't on. take anything less than fit. What twenty? What, what do we do with twenty million quid? This is what I'm saying. Nothing. Twenty yeah. is nothing in football terms. Yeah. Even thirty, even forty. We are we are financially secure that we don't have to go and sell our young players on the off chance that uh, they might be bad. I'd be keeping him and saying, well, you, if you come back next season, it's between you and Eddie for backup for for Jesus, and Jesus is going to be gone in two seasons' time. Whereas you could be playing in the cup games, you could be playing in some of the Premier League games, building your career. Uh, one of the best clubs in the world. And by the way, we are the Premier League title champions at the moment. And we're yeah. going to try and do back-to-back. And you could be a I part of that, Sunshine. I hear what you're saying, Danny, but you've, you've got to remember that this guy has gone to France and playing week in, week out. And now you're exactly. going to bring him back to say, oh, you may get a Premier League game here. You may get mm. an FA Cup game here. No one's going to want to do that. Like, it, it's exactly. like, yeah, so that in that sense, he's going to be looking at that thinking, you know, I've just gone to France. I am, you know, potentially going to outscore Mbappe. Like, give, mm. give me some respect. I've got to start playing. And now you're bringing me back to say that you may play me? Nah. And also, didn't he go to Middlesbrough and largely not do much, if I'm not mistaken? Didn't he get loads of Middlesbrough before? Yeah. So uh, this is what do in England. Yeah, exactly. Three goals this in 18 is, games. Well, there you and go. I think he did quite so, well there. They were struggling that season. Yeah, and, and like I say, this is not a I hate Flo Balogun party. I, I'm actually delighted for him. I think he's been brilliant. Yeah. Um, but his contract runs until, uh, Arsenal runs until June 30th, 2025. Um, so here, here's a knowledge test for you, right? If I said to you both, what do you think his net value is right now? Not what your opinion is, what it should be. What do you actually think his net value is right now? Because I think you might be surprised when I tell you what it is. It's probably going to be something 15, silly like 15. 15. Yeah. Okay, you're not far away. It's 14, 14 million euros. So it's about 11 million quid. Yeah, so, you know, all these people that... That's it. No, 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 it is. That's, that's his current market value. That is his current market value on form. Million a uh, goal. No. But all these people that are tweeting me saying, oh, I want at least 60 million. And I'm like, well, sorry, what? <laughs> no, you can ask who you like. No one is going to pay 60 million quid for, you know, a guy who's had a very good Unless we so say to not. Chelsea that we're after Banagher <laughs> and they bid, um, they bid 60 million. 700 million plus a, an 84-year <laughs> contract. So his family and his... A lot of it will Next come generation. down to who, if it is he, is his agent uh, Amari Hutchinson's agent? That's what we need to know. Because if he's, he's a, got an idiot for an, or is it his brother, like an Ilka's brother, who had no. him do an endless number of stupid moves? He's he's with the uh, he's with the Elite Project Group Limited. I'm reliably informed. Who else? They the same, they're the same. It's the same agent as Bukayo Saka and Jamie yeah. Sancho. He's staying. And yeah, the the two the two or the three. The, the major players in this agency, so Saka, Sancho, uh, and Katia, ironically, Terran Moffi, Todd Cantwell, remember him? Um, ah, Norwich. Ch- Chuba Akpom. There's a, there's a theme developing here, former Arsenal players. Alex Iwobi. 
Chopper Chopper uh, is the top goal scorer in British football uh, at the moment. He is. Magnificently. Yeah. But yeah, so Saka is the highest value client for this company. So, but yeah, I just, I just wanted, to, I just wondered because, um, as I say, I, uh, I, li- I really like him, and selfishly, I'd quite like to see him, you know, stay on. I don't think you can loan him again. That's, I guess, that's my, my. I think we have a decision to make this summer. You either sell him or you promise him minutes. Um, I think you can. I think you can loan him again this season, and I'm sure on his contract, he's going to have a, a year uh, extension clause. So if you loan him and then you want to increase his value. You extend that, um, you extend the contracts for another year and then you look to sell him. But I just don't, I, I think that he's got to, to be seen and how he does it in England. I think until you see how he does it in England, I, I don't feel, because Middlesbrough, if you're looking at where in Middlesbrough, he didn't do very well, let's be very honest, especially in a championship, you would expect him to, tear it up but you know he's he would have developed as well he would have been a year older you know more muscle be playing with men a bit more physical so yeah I just want to see I would love him to get a Premier League um, loan just to see what he can do but I just don't feel that he comes back to Arsenal to be the third um, striker mm. and as Will said in the, the chat. Champions League and as as Will said in the chat, he was a he was a sub largely at Middlesbrough, so he probably wasn't backed. Whereas at Rams, he went straight into the side, and as basically, if he doesn't score, Rams don't score. That's kind of how it works. So, uh, yeah, fair, fair play to him. Um, fair play to him. One other thing, just before we we'll do questions, um, I have to I have to issue an apology, which I don't like doing, but I'm gonna I'm gonna do it. He's currently sunning himself in South Africa, I think I'm right in saying. But, but Mr. Collings, if you're watching this, which I'm sure you aren't because, you know, you're far too big fry for us these days. Um, I watched Newcastle against West Ham at the weekend. Um, and I, I will hold my hands up and I will say Declan Rice is exactly what this Arsenal midfield could do with. I, I will admit that now. I, I didn't see it. I genuinely didn't see it. Um, I wasn't really convinced, but I hadn't watched him up close. I thought he was absolutely brilliant against Newcastle. I just everything about him is is what I think this this oh, Carl's not happy. When when you look at Shaka, you know, he's he's been great this season, absolutely no doubt about it. But I think I think the idea of Shaka sort of slowly, you know, he is aging. I think if you can replace him with a rice to, to mix with a parte, I, I think that's money. Um I say I think I'm wrong, but if you do you disagree, Carl, you're not, not so much. I don't- about Disagree. I feel. I feel he's overhyped. I, 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 I do agree with that. Yeah, I do agree um, with that. I feel he's English, that, of course, he is. I, I feel like for, Chris. You could probably tell me five people in France who, who does what he does. I can feel like there's someone in Germany who probably does what he does. Like I really there's, do think he's overhyped. I'm not saying he's not good. But I feel like he's so overhyped. And one if you want Draxler, is he, Carl? <laughs> he'd never be a Jimmy Draxler. But what annoys me is the fact that, and Moyes is, I guess they're going to try and do what they do. Moyes come out and said, um, whoever gets Declan Rice is going to have to break the British chance for a record. Okay, no so um, he's got a year left in his contract. It's 12 months. His contract mm. runs out the following year. Um, do I feel that if he, if West Ham are trying to get $100 million for him, there's only one team that's going to pay $100 million for Declan Rice and that's Chelsea. Chelsea whether he wants to go to Chelsea I don't know probably he might uh, Declan Rice just wants to leave for Champions League football uh, will Chelsea not Chelsea Champions then 
Yeah. <laughs> so he wants to leave for a bigger club. Like he's sick of, you know, not Chelsea. Then. So, you know, um, I, I don't, what annoys me is that Arsenal used to do their business in secret. Like, mm. There was no way you would ever hear in January about a player we're going to buy in the summer. That just wouldn't happen. So this has been put out by somebody, whether it's Arsenal, whether it's Declan Rice, his team. Someone has put this out in, into the world. Um, and whether it's even West Ham to start a bidding war um, for their players, because if Arsenal were just in for Declan Rice, then they don't have a leg to stand on. With mm-hmm. a 12 months left in the contract, we offer 70 million. They technically should accept that um my fear is that we do get into a bidding war and Chelsea do do something really stupid and pay a hundred million for for Declan Rice I don't know why it was put out into the world already I feel that Declan Rice would be a brilliant I feel like Declan Rice would do wonders in our midfield and he would be an understudy to... He wouldn't be an understudy. He would be an, a different option to Granit Xhaka. Granit Xhaka. I know it's been put out into the world that Granit Xhaka might be signing a new contract. I don't believe that's really true. Like, I'm really honest. I, I don't think that's very true. But I don't want to spend £100 million, pounds, as good as Declan Rice is, on a player that's only got 12 months left in their contract. We can't be taken for fools and I'm not saying that I want to lose this player to Chelsea like that we do with Modric the racist by the way didn't we but um do you kind of get what I mean like I, I'm just Arsenal do their business very very well and I'm proud of the way Arsenal do their business and the fact that you know West Ham have, have come out and said oh you know you're gonna have to break the British transfer record you know that's almost putting teams on the back foot already now I, I want to know how Declan Rice feels about that like, does mm. he is he going to be like Mudrich? Is he going to turn to West Ham and be like, "Come on now, like I've been good to you. I've been here. I've stuck here. I could have left ages ago. I stuck here. I've given my all. Please let me leave and let me leave for a decent price because I don't want players to be priced teams to be priced out of um, trying to buy me. Like, and obviously, Man- I think there's going to be three teams. It's going to be Man United. I think there's going to be. Chelsea and Arsenal and even Liverpool because Liverpool's midfield Liverpool, yeah. they're not getting Bellingham ridiculous like yeah. they're not, they're not getting maybe, Bellingham if they carry on the way they are are they he's not going to go there no and maybe this is the, maybe, might be the shield maybe with all this talk about uh, Declan Rice so we can get Ben and them I don't think we can get Ben and them you know, I don't think we can afford no. because that's a person who you're talking about breaking the British transfer record for like if someone mm-hmm. said you're going to have to pay 120 million for Bellingham people would be like, mm, I can see it. Would I want to spend £120 million on Bellingham? No. Um, I, but I, I, think think, goes, I think he goes to Man City to replace Bernardo Silva, personally. That's what I Oh, he, he does. He's going to be another £100 million player. 100%. Like, um, Borussia Dortmund are not going to let him go for 50, 60 million. There is going to no. be over €100 million, Euros at least. So, we'll see. But I agree with you, Chris. I, I do think Declan Rice would be great in our midfield. I just don't want to spend stupid amounts of money on him. Low-key low opinion, I think, 70 to 75. West Ham can talk what they like with a, with a year left on his contract. Um, Harry Kane's always said he would never leave Spurs as soon as Man City came sniffing. He suddenly got, had his head turned, didn't he, when, when the <laughs> bid was actually there. Um, I think you can be as loyal as you want, etc. Joe Cole said he'd never leave West Ham, didn't he, and look what happened there. I think, I think West Ham are... I actually like West Ham. I've got nothing against him, but 
facts are facts, we're a bigger club. Um, and I think the only link with the Chelsea, I think Chelsea would have had him until they spent all that money on Enzo. I just don't think they can afford to have both of them in that same midfield. Um, well, it sounds like um, Angelo Kante is going to go to Spain on a free in the summer. So they're obviously revamping their midfield. But I just think that, I think if we really wanted him, um, those negotiations would be happening now. And I, I can't help but think that the fact we decided to settle for Jorginho, having missed out on not just Caicedo, but let's not forget we missed out on Douglas Luiz previously as well. I, 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 f- I feel like Edu and, and Mikel will be will be making sure that we don't make the same mistakes uh, this year as we did two years ago, because we got our summer business this year done quite well, didn't we, to be fair? Jesus and that was all done quite early. So I wouldn't be surprised if we're looking at the options now. And I think if you go to West Ham and you slap 75 million quid on the table and say, look, he's got a year left on his contract, take it or leave it, I think he goes. Because West Ham could rebuild their squad with that, let's be honest. So, yeah, um, I guess we'll see. Newcastle might even have a sniff, let's be honest. <laughs> the kind of money they've got. But, yeah, I just wanted to apologise to Simon because I didn't see it. One thing I will say, though, is, um, and I know I'm a fine one to talk, but the hairstyle... I, I, that, that needs to go, Ricey. Yes, that's, that's not. It's not. It's not a good look. Anyway, uh, just to finish up, then should we do some? Should we do some quick fire questiones? Because I'm sure we've got a few that have floated into the uh, inbox. Carl was cheeky and did a tweet saying anyone got any questions, and then a bastard sent us in questions. Oh, right. What? First one is from Loki, who is now on Twitter. Loki says, "What is your marks from E to A to E, as in?" A, A minus, like that. Um, at the half time season report, Carl. Um, I'm going to give us a an A because there was not a single person who expected us to be sitting in first place um, and ahead by five points. No one expected this. So we are doing better than we expected. And long may it continue because. If we can keep this up, you know, no one, there is not a team or not a pundit, not a bookmakers that had us favourites for the title. No one had us favourites for the title. It was all Liverpool and Man City and Chelsea. And look where we are. We're doing over and above. Mikel Arteta is brilliant. I keep saying this, like, top four was the goal this season. No one talked about winning the title this season. And we're doing over and above. So... I think we're getting even an A plus at the moment at halfway point, probably an A plus. Chris, uh, slightly different. I I go B plus purely because I think A is the is the pinnacle. If we win it, it it's a it's a bona fide A all the way. But yeah, very high B stretching into into A territory. And yeah, uh, everything Carl said. Nobody expects us to be where we are. I personally, I'm still, <laughs> I'm still not willing to admit that we're title favourites or whatever. Uh, I still would say that a successful season is Champions League, but um, there's no denying that how I felt on Saturday was not how I felt a few years ago. You know, it's it's the first time I've I've really felt like, oh, we should be winning this so we can win the title. It's the first time I've actually felt that for a long time. So, yeah, I'm sticking with a B, but I can see why people would say an A. It's definitely high on the scale for sure. As a child of the 70s, I only do decimalisation. I don't do any of that other numbers. They don't add up to 10, all those letters. It's bullshit. So I'm going to give uh, Arsenal an 8, 8.5. Uh, 
So it's basically a high B into a... Uh, don't, don't bring any Bs into this. Get a sticky situation. Uh, Chris, sticking with you. Uh, Guna49 on Twitter. Balogun, Nelson, Holding, Pepe, keep, loan or sell? Uh, so off the back of our conversation previously, I'm, I'm selling Balogun if the price is right. Uh, oh, Nelson... Yeah, I, th- I think. Yeah, I think. I think the time has come. Despite that brief renaissance, um, it, you know, consistently he's not. I, I, to be honest, I think you're selling all four. Actually, um, I love Rob Holding. I would give him a. I, I'd make him a tea lady if I could because I just love him. But I think he's at a stage of his career. He has to play week in week out. We have to move on past the the Nelson protocol, uh, the Holding protocol. Sorry. And Pepe, yeah, I mean, you know, he, let's be honest, he was, he's, he's not coming back. We know that he's currently injured and likely to be out for the rest of the season. So he's got plenty of times to pick his next club. Um, but yeah, he, he will go, he'll probably stay at Nice or he'll go to another uh, sort of middling club in, in France, I would imagine. Um, but just a word to the wise, we're probably only going to get about 15 million for him. So just bear that in mind when everyone loses their shit again, at how badly we've bought and sold. Um, I'll ask you one question each, unless you really want to answer the other person's question. So do you want the next question, Carl? Yeah, go for it. Okay. Um, from Highlander AFC on Twitter, do you think Charlie Patino will be in the plans next year? Yes, yes, yes. I said this when to talk about Jorginho was coming in and we missed out on Cancelo. Charlie Patino will be in and around the first team next season. He has to be. He's had two loans. He's playing relatively well. So I feel like he will be an understudy. He definitely will be, you know, there. He will get a couple of cup games. He'll be on the bench for a few games because even though we built Jorginho for 12 million, that 12 million can be written off quite quickly and easily I feel that it's not a it's a no risk buy and if we don't play him not too bad I don't know whether um, God, what's his name that's gone to Crystal Palace Laconga oh, yeah, yeah I, I don't know if Laconga is long for this club I don't feel that he is what I don't feel like Arteta really rates him that much because the amount of times where he could have come off the bench and given maybe Xhaka or Partey a rest and he's just not, he's just not got any sort of game time whatsoever. So yeah, I don't think Lukonga is known for this club. And, you know, is Charlie Patino better than Lukonga? Are they the same level? I feel like you'd, you, at the moment, you'd probably invest more time in, Patino than he would Lukonga. So if Lukonga could go and get a loan somewhere else, like I would have loved him. I would have absolutely loved him to have gone to Burnley and mm. worked there, but it didn't work. He's gone to Crystal Palace and, you know, will Vieira be able to um, nurture him? Maybe we will see. But yeah, at the moment, I think Patino is definitely going to be in and around the first team next season. And I just very briefly add to that, I think Patino, as things stand right now, I could actually see him getting more consistent minutes than even a Smith Rowe right now because he's got a lot of work to do to uh, get himself back to the levels he was at with this injury. And his injuries are a little bit worrying. Um, I think I think Patino is absolutely 
Imagine if you could have brought him on against Everton, you know? Uh, yeah, I think he's he's dynamic. He's developed. Blackpool love him. Very rare do you get a player go on loan where the the non-parent club, if you will, take to him so much that they're desperate to keep him. Usually, like they're usually like, yeah, yeah, he's great, but he's not really ours. They absolutely love him at Blackpool. We've got so. songs about him and all sorts. So yeah, yeah, and he's and he looks like he's filling out a bit as well. When when he left, he was a bit skinny when he. Uh, That's how I uh, started. Look how that ended. <laughs> yeah, badly. Right, yeah, well, I love him. Uh, well, I got you, Chris. Fred on Twitter. The manager is starting to use his bench more and more regularly. When ESR is back, in brackets, it's hmm. it's not unusual to get small injuries after such a big one. End brackets. Do you think he'll play on the wing, a striker, or even a Xhaka sub? I, I genuinely, I I'm worried about ESR. I can't lie, I am. I'm not surprised that he's got this little injury because that is exactly what Fred said on Twitter. There, like when they when somebody's coming back from a long term injury, they do often get back to fitness and then pick up another niggle. I can speak from experience, having come back from one hip flexor injury, the other one is a pain in the ass. So I get it. Like it's it's a hundred percent like very normal because your body compensates, etc. Uh, look up Dom for more on that. But his injury record for me is a bit of a concern. Um, and I love him. I do. I really love ESR. Um, I just, I, all, I, what I can't sort of get my, out of my head is you compare him to Saka and how robust Saka is. Sometimes and how much you get a beating Saka gets every game. Yeah, exactly. The thing that worries me most about ESR is I see Jack Wilshire again. That's, I can't shake that feeling. So much talent, so much natural ability. Um, you know, a local lad, fans' favorite, can't stay fit. And that's my concern. Uh, I really hope I'm wrong. As for where he's going to play, again, I think that's a real... I, th- I actually think the Erdegaard role is probably the best role that, that he can play in. Um, and maybe this season he just has to hold his hands up and say, look, you know, it's not been my season. I've been injured all season. But if he can give us 20, 25 minutes, like he did when he when he was a sub for those games last season and came on and scored key goals at key times, if he can be like the Erdegaard support role, if you will, then... That's why I play him. I don't think he's a striker, and I, I don't, I don't know if he's. I think he. I don't think he's. I think he's too direct to be a winger. I think he needs to. He's play a modern in that day Perry role. Groves. Yeah, yeah. If you like, yeah. He's uh, he's a floater, isn't he? He's not really a, a player who nails down a position, which, ironically, he probably needs to do. He's definitely not a Shaka, by the way. Um, thirty million. Would you sell him? God no. <sighs> <laughs> yeah, I've had my heart broken with Wilshire. I'm not having it done. Yeah, again. yeah. I, I think. Yeah, I, I don't think I would at this point. I think um, because the trouble is, the trouble is, Carl. You've been to games. You know what it's like when a player comes back after so long. Imagine the ovation he's going to get next time he comes on at the Emirates. Everyone's going to be, you know, he's going to get that ovation. Um, okay, we, he's only he's only 22. Yeah. Okay, he gets that ovation. It gets the ovation, comes on, and then he's injured again in that game. Well, that's that's my worry. I I, so I feel like how, how long do you I, hold on to somebody? Like he, I don't want to use the word injury prone because he, he's young and he's growing into uh, twenty two. Is he still growing? Yeah, look, maybe yeah, a little bit. And the thing is, it's all muscular injuries. Exactly, that's what worries me. And he's in he's in the Kieran Tierney is not trusted by Mikel Arteta because he's constantly getting little injuries, isn't he? He clearly loves him as a player and as a, as a human, 
But when he's got Zinchenko available, who does he play? Because he doesn't trust Kieran Tierney. It's as simple as that. I don't think it's an ability thing. I, I don't think he trusts him. And I, I'm, I, I get the feeling with Arteta that if you can't prove that you're fit, you know, 80% of the season, you 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 don't get game time. And the, the, the best thing that can happen, I'll, I'll sum up with this, the best thing that can happen for ESR is he plays every Europa game that we've got left, however many that is, two or four, whatever, however many, and he plays a key role in those European games and he gets, you know, a few substitute minutes between now and the end of the That's season. That's how he made his name, him and Saka. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, but I love him and I, I hope I really hope I'm wrong. This is not me burying him. I love him to bits. I just it just worries me. There's a lot of these injuries now and yeah, as you said, Danny, our hearts are broken with Jack, so Right, next question for Carl is from Trini Guna on Twitter. Do you want Man City out of the league? Would you want Man City points deductions to be given this season or next season? Do I want them out of the league? I don't really care. Man City are not a club that I really have a, a hatred for, um, to be honest. Um, if they do have a points deduction, it's got to be next season, isn't it? Like, let them start um, like minus 15 next season. I'm sure they'll do make it. They're who are a much bigger club than Man City will ever be. Would sure you care about if if would would either of you care if if by some miracle this appeal went and and next week they came out and said right we're docking Man City ten points and that's what won us the league would you care because I would not give a shit no I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't put, it put the asterisks by our name I couldn't yeah. give a fuck like Liverpool fans don't care about the COVID asterisks do they exactly like I couldn't care less like I don't care like at all so. Um, no, let us win the league by <laughs> by over ten points. Uh, I couldn't care less. Like it wouldn't be tainted because the W would still be there. Like when you see 2022, 2023 Champions um, Premier League winners, you're going still going to see Arsenal there. Oh, and we're care, five so. points clear as it stands anyway. So technically, you know they're behind us as it is. So if they got docked points, they'd just be further behind us. It's not yeah, like so. they're five points clear and then get 15 deducted so we go in front. We're already in front, so I wouldn't care. Question for Chris from Zook on Twitter. Is Jorginho a Chelsea double agent? <laughs> no. I, I, I know I wasn't on the transfer pod, but I actually think it was probably quite good business what we did there. I think I agree with Carl. I, I actually would be surprised if he was at the club for more than six months to a year, but I think he's a sensible signing. He's He's better than nothing, which I know is damping the faint praise but he didn't have a great debut but we were also pretty terrible on uh sunday i actually think he'll probably play on saturday i think they'll give Partey a rest ahead of the city game um and yeah i actually think he was um yeah i think he was a pretty good and he's experienced and, and apparently he's very good in the dressing room from what what i've heard from chelsea fans so yeah i think that was probably a decent bit of business that we knew we could get done for a short term short term uh solving of a problem for very little money oh um yes so the next question is going to be um yeah i, quite, I thought it would, it would do all right 
A question from Phil Macker. Carl says, can anyone explain why Spurs... Oh, it's not for Carl. Spurs still don't have a stadium sponsor. It is very weird. But Boy 10 in South Africa there said that they have got some kind of deal with the South African government to sponsor the stadium. Isn't that being looked at, though? Isn't there... I, read I didn't somewhere even that, know it until he tweeted it and said it. Yeah, apparently that's that's under... Uh, the South African government aren't very happy with it, I, I believe, saying that they shouldn't be allowed to do it or something. No, they something. shouldn't be. Aren't, aren't South Africa literally got, like, rolling blackouts mm. across their country? So how the fuck are they going to sponsor um, a, a, a shit team in London when they can't <laughs> even put electricity in their country? No, that's... No, morally, yeah. come on now, like... Put the money to your people and invest there. Like, re- respectfully, what are they doing? Or what come and visit South Africa? Like, is that that sort of vibe? Like, that's yeah. I don't. I don't. Not just because it's Tottenham. Like, genuinely, even if that was us, I would look at that and be like, "You've got rolling blackouts in your country because you're not providing electricity enough, not enough generators." But yet, you want to come and sponsor another? No, no, no. That doesn't sit well with me as well. And- and any true Arsenal fan knows that it's the Armitage Shanks Arena anyway, because we know it's a massive toilet. So it doesn't really matter, does it? Um, Boy 10 says, yes, Carl, 12 hours of electricity a day. I'm only awake 12 hours a day, so that's fine I, by me. I heard on the grapevine through somebody who I, I genuinely can't say who they are because they're probably getting a lot of trouble. Um, but they they told me that the Nike deal that Spurs have has a very big amount of money input through that stadium to the point where it might actually end up being called the Nike Arena at some point. <laughs> so, which makes me sad because I love Nike and it would mean I, I couldn't buy their stuff anymore. Which would well, none of us drink Holston pills and none of us will ever no. use Thomas Cook. <laughs> nope. Or Pony. Um, Are they still a thing? Pony still a thing? No. Probably owned by JD Sports. Will asks, how much can we get for Pepe? Chris said about 15 million. Uh, Demsec says, how, is it King Cold in the UK? Yes. Uh, 0.8. Uh, aside, I've got individual temperature gauges things, so it's fucking cold. And what's, it like was, in, what's it like in London, Carl? I'm intrigued. Uh, at the moment, I think it's about zero degrees. It was This morning was re and the fog, the fog was really thick. And does um, does it does it fuck with the underground? Because obviously you're literally on the outside sections. On the outside sections, yes. So, yeah. um, I think trains have to run at a reduced speed, especially the first train, just to see if there's any that like, debris on the track. Um, when the fog is really thick and you can't see, like trains don't have high beams like cars do, so. You've got to rely on the driver's eye and you do drive at reduced speed because you've got to be able to stop short of any sort of uh, obstruction. Hmm. Yeah, I've always wondered that because I, I, it'd be quite fun to see snow in the underground. <laughs> oh, no, rough. no, that's not fun. No, that <laughs> no, I makes, means, I have, means I have to work very hard. So, no. Oh, no, we don't all. want that. We don't want that. <laughs> There you go. And Demsec has spent the uh, the week in America with Mike, with uh, Gruner Grah, and he says, for Danny, will I recover my time with Mike? Nope. Nope, you're absolutely done. Before we go, hand it back to you, Chris. Uh, I had a delivery yesterday, and it was a, a young man. You know, I often mention my mate Shazzy and Izzy, Ooh. and they run Chili Bite in Huntington. Where's and this the- going? No, a bloke called Shiraz came and delivered it, and then they saw me watching Twitch, 
And Shiraz works for Nova Valley in, I think it's in Huntingdon. And he said, oh, do you do Twitch? I said, well, we put our podcast on. He said, what podcast is that? I said, Arsenal. He went, oh, I'm an Arsenal fan. And so I showed him the podcast. He got his phone out and he subscribed to us on Spotify. Thank you very much, Shiraz. Splendid. We only need another 10 million people to do that. And we might actually make some money from this. So basically, Lovely. Shiraz, we know where you live now. And if well, you aren't watching, Danny yeah. knows where you live and he will yeah. come for you and he will kill you. To Danny's house, so he has to see Danny every day with no trousers on. With no trousers on, and nobody wants to see that. So no, no, not at go. all. Um, twenty six in New Orleans. Just before we go, sorry, quickly, I just want to like. Obviously, everyone's seen the earthquake in Turkey, and I think it's a horrible thing. Like, just hear a footballer died. Yeah, he was the goalkeeper of the Turkish team that got relegated last season from the top league. Yeah, wow. it's ridiculous. Like I've seen like some of the pictures you see, like it's just really, really horrible. And I'd say that like, all our thoughts will go out to all the people in Turkey and Syria um at the moment with, with those people. And if you are gonna donate, like make sure it's a, a reputable cherry because obviously there's people that could be popping up and obviously, you know, making dubious um sites to donate. So obviously if you can do it that like, because I've donated today to UNICEF because some of the pictures you see some of the kids being pulled out of rubble is absolutely horrible the place looks like a war zone and like you just think to yourself that was a thriving city like country going about its business and act of god earthquake you know these none no fault of their own so yeah just to want to mention that quickly like thoughts and prayers definitely go out to all everyone in in that region or everyone that's been affected by it yeah, holiday destination as well. Who does like it's just nuts. Well, that's like, Sean and George booked their holiday in Turkey last summer. They're going this summer, so I doubt it. That was on the right hand side of Turkey because Turkey is split in two, isn't it? You got the left, and then you got the Vosphorus, and you got the right, and yeah. it's more the poor people who live on the right down the bottom. But it, it, it's like Carl said, it goes to show though. I mean, I was looking at a, a feed in on the multi page the other day, and because they're such a small island, they had horrific storms this year, and like it's obviously not on the same scale, but. They had thousands of businesses destroyed but because they're such a small island. They didn't have, they weren't prepared for what's coming and they didn't have the infrastructure to be able to recover from it. So, you know, when you see something like that happen to such a big country and they're in a similar position where they can't, you know, they can't um, look after their own, it's it's deeply saddening. And as Carl said, if you, if you have got means, you know, don't put yourself at financial risk, but if you have got a few quid and you know of a reputable charity, then, yeah, do give generously. Um it's animals and humans are worth looking after at times like these so yeah thoughts and prayers well said carl well said um we are going to leave it there for this week i think we've been more than generous giving you nearly two hours of our time you freeloading bastards uh but no in all seriousness we do appreciate you tuning in whether that be on uh podcast or here live on youtube where you can see our beautiful faces if that's your thing i feel for you but you know whatever everybody gets off in different ways if you do enjoy the show please do give us uh, a like and a subscribe on the various platforms in fact i would actually say if you've got twitch you've got youtube and you listen to a podcast provider like us on all of them okay stop stop sitting there taking advantage and give us something back all right thanks uh exactly. but no in all seriousness thank you for the support we do we do appreciate it and we do pay for Josh's dinners with the money we make every week. And boy, does he need it. And why is he um, vegan? Tonight? 
because he's moonlighting on the Highbury squad again. Absolute scumbag, honestly. I just, <laughs> but I will be on there on Saturday doing the Brentford post-game show. I'm surprised he's not on like Brighton's fan fan podcast or something. I think he's a Brighton fan. He's, I'm joking, Josh. Sit he down. So, no. Yeah, but there's only about two people that listen to that, isn't there? There's only about two Brighton fans. Yeah, true. Three at a push. Um, anyway, right. Yes, we will leave it there. So we will be back. Uh, Danny, so you're doing post-game or you're doing a preview of uh, i will do a preview show for the brentford game will be on the friday night sometime and then uh the post-game show i'm doing one with sophie on the hybrid squad on saturday afternoon so that probably be about five six o'clock and then i might do a post-game one um for abw later in the night so i don't know yet Excellent day. And any spaces that you're doing, Carl? Have you got anything planned, or is it just a case of what happens when uh, happens? I should be going to the Brentford game. Ah. Uh, hopefully. Um, I've got a ticket, and but I've got something to do on Saturday morning. Um, so I'm hoping that Friday night I will know if I can or not. And if not, I'll just put it on um, a <sighs> ticket exchange. Um, I think it's worth... Danny, we'll probably do this next time. There's been an announcement um, from Arsenal about the new season ticket holders, and I think mm. we're good to get probably get Femi on because he'll be affected. He's a season ticket holder. Um, essentially, I think it, what it is is you get your 19 home games, and you also get the um, some cup games, which you get a first refusal. But I think they want more money up front, mm. and I think that's essentially what it is. So, is it good? Is it bad? I think they're trying to stop. Touts, which I think obviously trying to get tickets, trying to get tickets for Arsenal this season is near impossible. Like it's it's, it's mm. just unless you, uh, I feel like unless you know somebody, like just trying to sign up and get a ticket, you cannot you cannot get a ticket. They just go straight away. Like they'll go and sell at ten o'clock, and by ten o one, they're all gone. Like it's you've just, seen the Beyonce ones. They had, they had half a million people waiting on the lines, and then they all sold out and almost immediately. And then some. That are face right. value of about £100 are now on the ticket sites for £10,000. Can't stand that woman. It's just ridiculous. Like, so <laughs> I feel like, yeah, I feel just, yeah, Arsenal at the moment, just trying to get a ticket for them. And I'm sure people listening to this will be in the same boat. And I'm lucky that I kind of know two people that can uh, get tickets. So that kind of makes it a little bit, e- tiny, a little bit easier. And even that is a stretch as well. So they give a fuck yeah. how they do it properly, but they don't. Mm. If, I mean, if the stadium's, the stadium's full, I, I get it. Oh, that, yeah. Uh, like Jason and I were hoping to go up again this season, but I, I really don't think it's going to happen. Um, so, you know, we just can't get tickets like we used to. Um, He's given me PTSD for Welsh things. <laughs> and, and, I'm, and, I, and I'm genuinely worried that Jeff Arsenal might have been shot to the moon. I think I think he might be living in a colony somewhere else. He retweeted it. He retweeted the tweet from the pod account. Oh, did he? Oh, splendid. Well, I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad I missed Jeff. I, I speak to him from time to time, like when I'm trying to hit him up for tickets as well. Like, well, I sent yeah. him a message on WhatsApp in November, and he hasn't read it yet. So, you know, yeah. But to be fair, I don't read your messages every week. So, you know, he's so mm. human. No. Mm. Uh, right, take <laughs> yes. it away. Right, we are going to wrap it up there, boys and girls. It is 10 o'clock in the UK. So, uh, yes, as I say, do give us a like and subscribe. Thank you very much for tuning in. We appreciate it. Uh, you might not agree with half the stuff we say. You might agree with some of it, but whatever whatever your opinions, uh, we're all Arsenal at the end of the day. So thank you very much for tuning in. Thank you to all of you beautiful people in the chat. 
I see you all. I see you all. Look at you there, looking all shiny. Uh, until next week, let's hope we get a result against Brentford and get back on track ahead of those crunch Man City games. And, of course, let's hope that Spurs continue to be cunts. Until uh, next week, thank you very much for tuning in. We appreciate you and keep it Arsenal speak to you very soon. Good night. Hashtag fuck Eddie. Say that again. Hashtag fuck Ellis. Bergkamp. Perez. Walter makes a run ahead of it. Bergkamp suddenly changed pace through the centre. It's Bergkamp. That's magnificent. The move, and then this, which left Dabby's ass totally stranded.